Okay, so today, um, I was, I'm just doing something a little different today. I was just, I've, we were talking about, um, I think it was Kathy and Fred and I were talking about this passage of Scripture. Like, why are we talking about this whole importance of togetherness? Why are we talking about this? Like, you know, yeah, it sounds good. Let's do it together. Teamwork, yay. You know, it's, it's not the whole purpose. It's the why, the importance of seeking and obeying the Lord together. All in, not just a few of us, not our, you know, not the rogue one person going out and then everyone's kind of lagging behind like, yeah, I guess I'm done with you. It's no, it's important that we're very much together. But before I get into that, we're going to read this passage real quick because we've been reading the last few weeks. It's been really good. And I just want you to read it with me. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Man, I'm kind of trying to grow this thing, so I'm just getting that visual picture of oil running down the beard, and just that whole idea of falling on Mount Zion, that holiness, that beauty of Mount Zion. We want that. We want life forevermore. We want that blessing that God bestows in unity. Man. And we've talked about this. I mean, you know, we've talked about being Christ-centered. We've talked about being other-centered. We've talked about being mission-minded. And to sum it up, it is those passages. Love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love one another. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's what it's all about. It's that up, in, and out, right? We've talked about that. We briefly covered that. And if you can't read that, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of small from over here. So I never know how small it is back here. Uh, but we're called, we're called to gaze up, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. We are about what he wants, his ways, and how he loves, his character. That's what we want. We want to be inward. We want to focus on spurring one another on, to love one another, to seeking the value in one another, seeing the value and building up the gifting, spurring one another on. And we're called outward. We can't do this just outward. We can't do this inward. We can't just do upward. We have to be all three. We have to be outward to fulfill the great commission, to seek the lost, to revive the saved, and to train them all. The great commission isn't haphazardly just throwing seeds, but it's laboring in the field, seeing the field and going into it. We talked about that last week. And the reason why we do this is because, and this is just in my heart, okay? Anything I'm going to say and anything I'm going to comment is just my heart, all right? It's about me. It's what I'm being convicted on. If, it, if you take it, awesome. Just don't, don't take it as me going, you all need to, whatever. I just, this is me. I'm going to apply it to me. And then after that, we'll see how you guys feel about it. But the reality is I want to obey the Lord. I just want to. I want what he wants. I really, I just, I, I just cling to that. God, I want to obey you. I want to do that. I really, I long to walk out what you've called me to be and to do. And that is to be about outward focus. That is about lifting up and gazing upon the beauty. That is about loving one another and spring one another on. I want to be about all of these things. In these passages, Luke eleven twenty eight, he says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. For some reason, it repeated three times in there. Sorry, I just was like, what happened there? Okay, but let's read that. Uh, Psalm 128, 1. Blessed are those, all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience in him. Blessed are we. We're blessed when we obey. And he said, you are my friends if you obey my commands. He wants us to obey. And so we're just going to read this passage. There are no points. 
I'm just going to read and comment, okay? I've been just really convicted about this passage because, um, you know, if you were here um, when we and Rich were transitioning, and I remember he was sharing about, like, the buds, you know, like, you know, like the pa- so we're talking about Moses, and he's about to transition on. He's about to hand off to Joshua, right? Joshua, he's like, all right, Joshua's my guy. I'm like, well, I'm sure he's going to be the good leader. And, you know, he's like, well, watch his staff. If it buds, if you, if you see the buds come, then you know he's blessed by the Lord. And so, you know, we're talking about this Caleb and Joshua, these mighty men of valor that have long before they were being handed off leadership, they were walking in leadership. They were walking and stewarding their gifts well. We want to kind of see what it was that, about these two that made them, um, why they even made it into the promised land. Because we're going to, anyway, I'm, I'm already basically giving spoilers already. Um, but I just want to look at them and how they had absolute obedience and absolute trust in God's promises. But not only that, because I think some of us believe that we're all called individually. And this is just me. This is a conviction of my heart. I've always believed that it's my calling. It's me. It's like, no, if I'm going by myself and I'm not bringing along anybody with me, then I'm missing the point. This is what happened with Israel. So we'll look at this. So be prepared. If you want to just like listen and close your eyes and not read, I understand this is a lot of passages because we're looking at Numbers 13 and 14, okay? Numbers 13, 1 through 3. I'm going to read portions. I skipped a few verses, but I didn't want to lose context. There's like just a few here and there to try to simplify it. But the Lord says to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So these aren't just the average Joe Schmoes. These are leaders in each tribe. And so the Lord commanded Moses to send them out to the desert, from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. This is important to know. They weren't just anybody. These were people that were respected. They were raised up in leadership. And number seven, uh, skipping on to 17, one, this is going to be a little tricky. I apologize. I'm going to have to read up here. All right, here we go. <laughs> I'm going to have some fun here. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the, through the Negev and on to the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Or is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? They're just getting, they're getting the download of what's going on there. How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do you do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land? And what do they do? So they went up and they explored the land. And when they reached the Valley of Eshkul, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. And it took two of them, two of them carrying it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. And here's how many days they spent. Not just a few days. They spent 40 days. Remember 40. Remember 40. It's important to remember that. They spent, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. And there they let, reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Now they gave Moses this account. And I love this. They, we, went, we went to the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Now, this milk and honey, it, it's referenced. I'll, I'll show the passage later. But it's Exodus 3, 3 15 through 17. God, he was, he, this is his promise, right? That they would go where? 
into a land flowing with milk and honey. He said, like, that's my promise. You're going to get there. I'm not, I'll, I'll read it here in a second, but I'm going to read through this part here. So they're saying, okay, yeah, it does. It does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. It's really good. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. I love this guy because he's just, I mean, I, not just because it's my name, but like, I really do like this guy. He's like, no, 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 stop what you're doing. You're already sowing what? Seeds of dissent and nervousness and fear. You're not even, you're leaders. Look at how you're leading. You're speaking death over us when it hasn't happened yet. And look what the faithfulness of God is. He even goes on, he rails on him good. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. They're stronger than we are. (laughs) This is true. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. See, these are quality leaders, I'll tell you what. They didn't just, they spread the report. They're like, okay, you know what? If I can't get them to stop, I'm going to spread the report. It's called what? It starts with a G. Gossip. Spreading dissent. Spreading gossip. He's like, like, if I can't get the leaders to change their mind, let's change the people's mind and then go from there. They said the land, this is how they're telling these people, they're saying the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. They're the descendants of Anak, which came from the Nephilim. And if you don't know who the Nephilim are, um, it's, it's this whole angels. Never mind. We're just, I'm not going to get into it. Nephilim were pretty big people. Was it angels? I think angels, and they had, they did stuff with the people, and then they're just giants. That's, that's a really bad description of who the Nephilim are. I forgot to even put in here in my notes, because I just want to, like, have a better description. But anyway, they're really big people, apparently. And they're sharing this, like, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them, like, we're going to die. We're going to get stepped on. We're going to get crushed. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But the reality is this is what they're sharing. This is what they're passing on the information. And look what happens. I'm going to pause here for a second. Look what happens when grumbling and fear. I get it. Things are scary, right? Life, <laughs> if you ever want to find things to be afraid of, there's, there's, there's always things, something to be afraid of. But here's what I love. I see, I see Caleb and Joshua, they're, reminding, they're bringing people back to the unity, of ta- the unity table. Like, okay, no, 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 no. Stop. Let's go. Let's go fight. They're trying to remind them of the promises. They're like, no, stop. This is not good. We need to go. And then, and, but here's the reality. The other leaders, this is a lot of leaders. This is the majority of the leadership of Israel. This is the majority. The others, the majority, not only forgot the promise of the Lord, they reject its validity. They reject God's power in it. But God, this is the promise that God had promised them. Let's see here. Exodus 3, 15 through 17. This is the promise they're rejecting. Because God talked to Moses. This is when he's talking with the burning bush. He's like, here's my promise. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, I need you to know who I am, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you should call me from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and I have seen what... has been done to you in Egypt. 
and they oh that's is that it this is sorry don't mind me my technology has been fun um but i'm just gonna read this over here because it's on here not on there for some reason oh technology oh there it is and you i have promised it's like i know i bought it on there and i have promised to bring you up out of your misery your misery they're not happy in egypt well, watch what happens when, you know, you get fear that comes in. I've seen you out in your misery, and I promise to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt and into the land of Canaanites, a land flowing with milk and honey. I see your misery. I've seen you. You're toiling. I see where you are, and I want to bring you up out of this. But look what happens when we forget, when we let fear take hold. Well, look what happens when we lose hope in God's word. When we lose perspective, when we forget his faithfulness, this is so important. This night, that very night after they've been spreading the rumors, they've been spreading all the fear, guess what happens? All the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. He, they broke them. They broke their hope. They broke their hope in the word. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, they're thinking this is better. Why is the Lord bringing us to the sand only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then they said, okay, we're going to choose a leader and go back to Egypt. That's what we're going to do. That's their reality. They're going to go back to where they're in misery. Does that sound ridiculous? But that's what fear does. It takes us to a place where we don't belong. It takes us to a place where we're comfortable. It's comfortable. Like, at least we know what we're getting in for. You know, like, we, we're going to be building, we're going to be whipped, we're going to be treated like, you know, crud, but we know at least to expect. But we don't know what to expect here. We don't know what to expect if we go into this land. We're probably going to get killed and our kids are going to be taken away from us. The letting fear take hold. And then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite community assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jehovah, Jephunneh, they were among those who had explored the land. They tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. They're so afraid they're going to kill them. They're petrified. They're creating disunity. This is what happens. I'm like, Lord. And so I'm asking, okay, Lord, what is happening here? When we get all discouraged and we get all focused about what we can't see and we start losing sight of this, when we lose time in this and we start looking on Facebook and we start looking at the news, when we start looking at what other people are doing, what people are saying, we start losing the concept of what God does. Like I've talked about like what unifies us, being God-minded, right? This is, this is how we talk to God. This is how we connect with Him, through Holy Spirit. When we pray, when we intercede, we talk with Him. But when we lose sight of what God is doing in us, what God has yet to do in us, not in, maybe in our lifetime, then we do crazy things like try to stone people, okay? Like maybe you won't stone somebody, but maybe you'll, you know, lash out in fear. I, I, I'm hoping you all won't stone people, okay? 
Um, I wouldn't imagine you guys doing that. But I just imagine, like, what the unrealistic things that go in your mind. You start spiraling, like, what happened? Where did I? Where am I? Like, what am I thinking? You start voicing out loud. And praise God, you have that friend that says, what are you talking about? They bring back a little bit of like solidity in your brain. Like, okay, hold on. First of all, you're like living in fear right now, okay? You need to get out of this funk. Um, but unfortunately for the whole of Israel, there's not a lot of people telling them to do that except for a few. And they were about to stone these men of God. They're about to stone them. But praise God for this because the glory of God appears. <laughs> he's basically the only one that protects Moses. He, he protect, he's, he's trying to show he's going to protect them, but he's like, no, I'm going to protect these leaders that are stepping out. He appeared in the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs that performed among them? How long will this wicked community grumble against me? Now, he sounds impatient, does he? Does he sound a little impatient? Okay, let's premise this, though. Okay, it's all about context. What has he done? What has he done? Split the Red Sea. Have you guys seen that done yet? Okay, that's one thing he's done. All right, that's, just, that's one, just one. Then you got all the, you know, the, the I can't think of the word now. Plagues, thank you. I was like, what is that word? All the plagues in Egypt. He crushed them. He destroyed their whole hope system of all their gods they trusted in. He gave them manna. Every day they never lacked for anything. They always had enough. They never had without. They fought armies before this. They, they were fine before this. He's like, okay, I don't get it. I was fire. I was a pillar. I've, I've been with you. I've showed you my might, my power. I have not even shied away from you. You guys have known me. You've seen my, me on Mount Sinai. You guys forgot two days or whatever, how many days later. You guys keep forgetting. Now, I'm not poo-pooing on Israel. I am also being convicted in my own heart, okay? How quickly we forget. We read the word like, oh, Lord, I love you. This is your promise. And then something happens like, what happened, Lord? <laughs> you know, you're just like, how long, oh, Lord? You know, we get so quickly you know, I, I call us our, we used to have a small group that we called ourselves the dumb ostriches. I promise that. Um, because ostriches have a tendency of forgetting, as far as I know, forget where they laid their eggs so they stare at it until it hatches. They're dumb. They can't remember where they left it. So that's why they're watching it. So I'm like, okay. So like we were joking about it. So I was like, okay, Lord, we have to behold your promises. We don't yet see it, but we're like, we're going to call ourselves some dumb ostriches because like we got to admit we're pretty dumb. So we got to keep staring at your truth, all right? So anyway, that's, that's, that's what we call ourselves, dumb ostriches. So. Um, but the reality is, like, how quickly they have already forgotten what God's already done with, with them. How what God has yet to do, and they're forgetting his promises. Let's see here. How long? And this is how he's feeling, all right? If you ever wanted to feel if God has feelings, <laughs> this is how he's feeling right now. I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. He's frustrated. Now he is perfect. That's the tricky part. God is perfect, but he's also angry. He's disappointed. He's like, man, I thought you guys had this. We were doing so good. We're walking faithfully together. I've showed you my promises. Now praise God for Moses because he's like, okay, let me just talk 
But here's the reality. I want you to not look at God as a harsh God. He is intense. He is all in, but he is not harsh, unrealistically harsh. He is asking them. He's like, I have showed you how radically zealous I am for you to get you out of where you were. I've radically freed you in a way that was, it could have been a lot easier, honestly. He hardened the heart of Pharaoh. He's like, the reason why I hardened the heart of Pharaoh is because I want you to see how zealous I am to get you into freedom. I mean, that's why Jesus died for us. He's zealously in love with us. He zealously desires us. He wants us to know that, how much he loves us. But he, he got him out of, out of Israel. He's like, I am zealous for you. I want you to know. He's trying to, he's, he's discouraged. I, and I get it because I see it in my own heart. He's like, if I had been doing things like that, I, I, I can just imagine how discouraging as a father to a son. He's like, I, I keep reminding you, like all the promises. I am discouraged. I think we're just going to have a big time out right now, okay? Except for you, I'm going to wipe you out. Um, but he's so tired of the way things are going. And he's like, I can make a better nation. This sounds familiar because this sounds like Noah. He's like, let, let me just try again. But Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. He's like, I get it, God. I get it. He's relating to the Lord. He's like, I get it. But here's the reality. Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people out up from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of the land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people. And that you, Lord, have been, have been seen face to face. That your cloud stays over them. And that you go before them and that in the fire, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. This is an intense moment between Moses and God. I'm not saying he's not changing God's mind, okay? I just want you to know that he's not changing God's mind but he's relating, he's dialoguing with him. He's like, Lord, how can, I get it. He, it's, it's just a weird moment. This is a weird moment for man and God to be connecting. He's like, Lord, now may the Lord's strength be displayed. He's just, I think, again, God's alpha and omega. I always wonder how this is actually really going on, how God's actually approaching it. It's like, let me just say this and just show you the intensity of my judgment, but also show you the intensity of my mercy. Just as you have declared, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you pardon them from the time they left Egypt until now. And the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you've asked. Moses is interceding. God is responding. Nevertheless, though, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of God fills the whole earth, see if I can get it to go next. Not one of those who saw my glory in the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. Not one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Man, he's like, I've showed you the glory of me. And that's it. That's, that's where it dies. That's where it ends. 
But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went in, went to, and his descendants will inherit it. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of them, every one of you, 20 years old or more. Man, that's intense. Anyone 20 years and older or who has counted in this, or who has been counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with up, uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. No, no one's going to make it. Now, imagine how discouraged Caleb and Joshua are at this point, okay? Like, wait, how long do we have to wait? Well, it's about, we're about to find out. <laughs> as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, guess what? I'm going to bring them in to enjoy the land that you've rejected. You were worried about your kids. Now look what happens. Your kids are going to enjoy the fruit that you never would. But look what you could have had. You could have had this. And this is, again, I'm ter- it's tearing my heart up. I'm like, Lord, how many times have I operated in fear about what would have happened and never stepped in boldness and embraced that God, the promises that God had for me? How many times have I said, no, it's uncomfortable? I don't think you're going to do it. I don't know if you're going to provide for me. I don't, want my, I don't want my life to miss it. I want my sons to see it in my life and in theirs. I want my kids to see that in my life and in their lives, and their grandkids' lives, that blessing that comes from pursuing the Lord, obeying the Lord, and trusting Him. And there's those 40 years right here. This is where we get those 40 years. It's not an arbitrary number. It's an arbitrary... It's not. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years Suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days, you explore the land. You will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Now, this is hard because he's still going to provide for them. This is the mercy of the Lord. It seems so intense. God, this is so intense. But he's saying, I'm going to provide for you. Did the man ever stop? No, his mercy still is there. He's still providing for them. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to the whole wicked community which is banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness here. They're going to die. This is a hard passage. Is this, is this hard to you? Like, this is, it just sounds like such an intense God. It's like, where is the mercy? Where is the love? It's like, no, but he is still merciful. He didn't wipe them all out. He's like, no, you, I mean, I I can't imagine me being in a position where I've seen God do the things that he's done and walk out and say, you know what? This is, this is the, this is the line in the sand. I can't go far, I can't go farther. I can't do it. I'm done. It's like, no, but I've been showing you myself faithful. I have promises for you. I want you to see the promise. I have promises in store for you. I can't imagine walking away boldly and just saying, nope, sorry, but I can't imagine that. But when I read the word and I don't believe it and I don't walk in it, I'm doing the same thing. I'm not better than the Israelites. I'm just as guilty. I'm just as guilty if I don't see that God's called me to love the Lord our God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love one another, and to go and make disciples. Those are commands and those are promises. He's called us to do these things. And if I don't walk in them, man, Lord, am I missing out on the promises? I'm missing out on the promises. I don't want to miss out on the promises. 
I don't want to live my life saying, I wish I would have. Because this is a whole generation. A generation, how many thousands of people are going to miss it? They're going to miss it. And they're going to have to constantly wander around. And they're going to have to tell their kids who are 18 or 20 years and younger and saying, I'm sorry. I have to repent. I missed it. But I'm praying for you. And I speak, don't miss it. Now it becomes this thing like, I wish I would have. It becomes a song, you know, the Solomon passing on the wisdom. He's like, I wish I wouldn't have missed it. Mm. Man. And there's so much weeping. I could read into this. So the men and Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble. These people got wiped out because they're leaders. You know how Jesus talks about it's better for, for, especially for those who lead those astray, it would be better for an anchor to be hooked around their neck and be drowned at the bottom of the sea, like for those who lead people astray. This is, man, that's why if you're ever in a position of leadership, this is not a good advertisement for, okay? This is nerve wracking. It's like, oh man, I don't, it's a heavy weightiness to it because they led, they didn't just, they didn't just struggle with God. They didn't ask God. They didn't dialogue with him. They walked in fear. They forgot the promises and then only that, but they led their people astray. They went and they completely caused division. And that's why I'm just like, Lord, okay, of all the times, why, what's the purpose of this? What's, what's this message speaking to me? Like, what is this passage speaking to us? The church can do one of two things in times like these. And it's not going to get easier. I'm going to promise you, things are never get easier. The good, the, the wheat and the tares will grow. But that means the tares look pretty big. But you've got to remember, the wheat has grown just as equally. We need to remember his promises. I need to remember his promises. And if we don't walk in unity, if we don't keep the unification, it wasn't Joshua and Caleb and they got, they're like, oh, I'm, praise God, I've got my calling. They're like, no. They're trying to inspire those around him. Like, no, I'm ripping my clothes because this is causing me such grief that you guys are not going to walk in these promises with us. It causes us such grief that we're not walking in unity, that we're not walking together. Have we seen that grief in the church? I want to. That causes grief in my heart. I want to repent for I've not seen unity. I want to repent for where I've caused division. I want to repent where I've spoken ill of someone else. I want God to change our hearts and be unified to pursue his promises. It's not going to be easy, and it doesn't look easy. Like, you look at Russia and Ukraine, what's going on there, you cannot imagine the choices that they're making are easy. These are hard choices. But I'm hearing testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness. I'm hearing testimony after testimony of people pursuing God and not losing heart. They're not seeing the fulfillment of the promise yet, but they're waiting for the Lord to return. They're asking and praying and interceding. And I don't want to get to that point where our church loses heart and loses out on the blessing. And this whole, I mean, I, I could keep reading on. And actually, I'll just, I just, I don't know if I'll keep reading on. The reality is now we're ready. Now we're ready. This is what's so funny. And I hate it because it's like, ah, oh, I wish you would have been ready earlier. He, they told everybody, first the leaders got wiped out. And that is the sign of the Lord. Like, okay, oh, the leaders, are they died? And the only people that are left from those spies are Caleb and Joshua? Ooh, we probably should have listened to them. And then they go to Moses, and they're like, well, they're mourning. They're mourning their idea. They're, they're mourning bitterly about what they've decided to do. And they say the next morning, they say, they go to the highest point of the hill of the country saying, now we are ready to go up into the land. Now we're ready. 
Let's go. Let's go. Surely we have sinned. Let's go for it. But Moses says, why are you disobeying the Lord's command again? He's like, no, now the command of the Lord is to go around the desert. It's like, now you need to obey me and walk with me, even though it doesn't make sense. They, we need to walk this out. This is such a hard word. It's not encouraging. It's not just, it doesn't build a lot of hope. But I think it, it's, it's supposed to cause some mourning. It's supposed to cause some desire to say, Lord, am I close to you? Am I seeing your faithfulness? Am I acknowledging that you've done what you've done? Am I reading your word? And when things get hard, do I forget it? How quickly do I forget it? Or am I clinging to those promises as a church, as a body in Christ? Are we praying for our church to be unified in love? Because this is not an Old Testament thing. This is a lifetime thing. This is God who he is. He is, he was, and he is to come. He is, he wants us to be unified. Not unified with our own church. He wants us to be unified with the church. He wants us to be unified with his heart. He wants us to be unified in going out and making disciples. That's the promise. He's made those promises clear. And he wants us to go and do this. And so it's going to be up to our hearts to say, Lord, have I been missing it? Have I been rejecting your promises? Have I been saying, I don't think this is true about you? Am I dialoguing that with you? Or am I just, just sitting here satisfied with where, I'm called, where I am? Like, they're satisfied. It even talks about later, and this is another passage of Scripture I won't bring up, but the whole context is after 40 years, after a whole generation's wiped out, you think they got it, right? There's a whole group of people that said, actually, Joshua, we, we don't want to go with you guys. We don't want to go with you. They, they still don't get it. Now, God doesn't, doesn't wipe them out, but God gives them a piece of land. He's like, but guess what? You're never going to get to go into this land of milk and honey. Never. You're going to miss it. Again, you're going to miss the promise. Man. I don't want to miss the promise of the Lord. I don't want to miss him what he has in store for us because his plans are to prosper. They're for good. They're to build us up. It was good for Israel to be the land of milk and honey. It was good, but they missed it. And so I just, I don't know. I, this is for me. I, I'm mainly talking to myself. I'm like, Lord, am I missing it? Are we missing the point? Are we missing the promises? Are there promises that you've spoken in the word that we are totally not even walking in? Because I love that we've been going through, and I think I'll take the next two weeks and talk about, because we've been talking about this um, um, survey that we've filled out. We've, and I love, I love you guys for filling this out. And if you guys haven't had a chance, I'm, a, I'm sorry you missed your chance. <laughs> um, no, uh, but we filled this survey because like, we're believing that God's called us to walk in certain things and walk in certain truths because it is the way we're supposed to walk in biblically. So we're going to talk about what we're doing right because this, I don't want to destroy our church, okay? I don't want to just say, you know, we're, we've, we've, we've blown it, we're done, we, we can't move on. We just, like, no, but Lord, while we can turn, while he can still be found, while we can still repent and walk in obedience and change and try to grow and mature in that area, while we can still do that, let's do that. I want to talk about our strengths. I want to honor where we're strong because we are strong in some amazing things. I want to bless that. I want to say, yes, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful attribute of the church that we have. But, Lord, there's some here areas here 
that I don't want you to say in the end of time, you had this against me, that you didn't grow in these things. You missed out on the promise of these things. I don't want him to say that about us. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We're going to be a wild church that is operating totally by grace and trusting the Lord's promises, and he's going to sustain us. It's not our own strength, but it's saying, okay, Lord, we, gonna, we yield this to you. We give this to you. We want to walk in this with you. I, this is a very, very different passage. So I, I've been struggling with this all week. I'm like, I just feel like I need to share this passage and see where we are. I want you to chew on this. I don't want us to be like, well, Caleb said this, and, you know, this is pretty discouraging, and now I'm scared. <laughs> like, I want to walk in a little bit of holy fear, okay? It is good to have fear and trembling before the Lord, walking out that idea of like, Lord, am I missing something? But also in love and mercy, because he did die for us, right? He desires us. He loves us. He calls us his bride. It's not a, just a fear, fear thing. It's a fear and love and trembling thing. It's like, God, if it's what you desire, I don't want to just be so scared of doing, not doing these things that I'm just doing it. But I want to be so in love with you and so about your, your goal, your mission, and that you're here to inspire us to do this. You're calling us to do this. You invited us to do this. I want to do it. But I don't know what it looks like, and I'm a little nervous about how it's going to go. But I want to grow in it, so help me grow. So that's what we're going to do. It's going to be all by him. And so as we pursue this in the next two weeks, be praying like for our hearts to receive it, be excited about it, and honor it. But for the one areas that we're weak on, let's just say, Lord, I'm not going to say, well, we totally blew that. We, we're, we're, we, you know, we, don't ever say we suck for a minute, okay? Just like, just don't say we suck. We, we're, we're like, we've blown it. We just, eh, we're, just, we're just a bad church. Like, no, God, thank you for highlighting the lack that we need to grow in and that you can provide these lacks. You can fulfill us. You, as long as we step out in obedience and trust you, you can do the rest. You can do the rest. Man, sorry, this is just a very, very, very unique passage. And it's a very one, I'm, I'm, I could read it all to you, but there's, there's more. So, but I want us to ask the Lord as we read, I want you, I'll read, send this out to you, but read through those two passages and ask the Lord to highlight things in your heart. To invite him to search us and know us, oh God. To know our hearts, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's what we want. We want his ways, the ways of everlasting. Is that what we want? I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I, I've been talking, obviously I'm teaching, I'm, but I've been talking a lot. What, what are your thoughts on it? I know I'm inviting whatever, just if you guys have thoughts about it. Be more obedient. I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a microphone. All right, just for those who are online, I got I got to keep doing this, but I got to be better about this. <laughs> Thank you, Miranda. It's gonna sound strange because it sounded strange to me when it entered my mind, but it made it gives me hope. Mm. Um, strangely, and I think because the Lord reminded me that we have the Holy Spirit, mm. and they didn't necessarily have Him like we have Him. He would in the Old Testament, He would come upon someone and He could leave them, right? But we have them always, so it gives me hope that in those rebellious times, we've got a much shorter tether, and he'll bring <laughs> us right back, and he'll bring us right back. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Man, any other thoughts? I'm like, yeah. 
the Lord is wanting us to walk more in the spirit than in the world. Uh, the, the people are walking in the world and looking at the world. He wants us to look at the spirit yeah. and see that we've already won. Yeah. And that's the reality. They live in where they won. They were, they're going to go where they're going to win. But the reality is like they saw, and whether the Nephilim were actually that big or not, we'll never know. I don't know for sure if they're that big or if it was an exaggeration of fear. But things seem a lot bigger and a lot worse when you're afraid. I don't know. What do you got, Lisa? I think that it wasn't just their fear that kept them from going into the promised land. It was wanting the easy way out. It seemed easier to them to go back to Egypt mm. where they were enslaved, where they knew what to expect, where they knew yeah. what their job was, where they, it was familiar. Mm. That was just going to be easier to them than overcoming their fears and going into the unknown. Oh, that's good. That is something like we can fall into prey and just being so comfortable. Oh, yes. Oh, this is good. Well, I think that um, the Egypt kind of represents the world. Mm. And and the, you like God was saying, this is the consistent problem they'd had. It wasn't just like yeah. all of a sudden they decided to rebel. They'd been rebelling all along. They'd mm. been complaining and doubting all along. Mm-hmm. And and there was that, that it just had, I mean, God knew what Moses was going to say when he said he was going to, you know, I'll start <laughs> yes. over. God knew yeah. Moses would argue <laughs> with that and that he would relent. God knew that. God's yeah. outside time. He knows exactly what's going to happen in the future. It's not, wasn't a surprise to God that he, yeah. you know, it's, it's not exactly God changing his mind. It's more like God giving, saying this to Moses. So Moses were reported to the people. So not only would the people hear how close they came to not being the chosen people anymore, but the millions and millions of hundreds of millions of people who've read that from then till now would also understand Mm. that and would see that God is a God of judge. He is the judge. He is the just judge, not just the merciful Mm. savior. So we need, we have to understand that God's both because if we don't see our need for a savior, if we don't see that we're sinners, we don't see our need for a savior. Yeah. And it's a very shallow faith that goes, oh, yeah, it's really nice that God tweaked me a little, but I really could have been with, I could have gone to heaven without him, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but, I, but it's that, that they needed that, they needed the older generation who'd been raised in Egypt to die out mm-hmm. so that they could come. But even then, they can, you know, every generation, they, all through judges, every generation, they went back mm-hmm. to worshiping idols and then they had to be rescued, you know, and then God let them get, conquered and then they had to be rescued and throughout kings and you see it all the way until the (laughs) until the babylonian captivity they continued to follow that pattern so Mm. it's a it's a that that the world is you know when we live in the world we have to be very vigilant Mm. to walk you know yeah to let the holy spirit pull us away from that and keep us walking in the in the light instead of in the darkness oh so good we want to be plumb line. We want to be, we want, it's just so easy. It's, I mean, again, like, and I don't want to kick around Israel because it is easy for us to just do that and just beat up on them. I'm like, well, how could they have missed it? How could they have not seen it? How, man, they were so immersed. And they were so, again, like in Egypt, they were so immersed in the culture of that world that they were so broken down. They were so broken in their spirit. It came so saturated in who they were. They struggled with that. And, and it is the mercy of the Lord for the let them. They lived out a full life. He didn't just just burn them all like just like man. He that was the mercy of the Lord to let them die out, 
but to live a full life. That is the mercy. It doesn't seem like mercy we like, but it is mercy. And like, man, he sustained them up until the moment they walked into the promised land. The manna stopped. Every moment it was covered, he covered them constantly. And it's just, it's good to remind ourselves of that. Like, and it's, because I think we read too much and like the, he just loves me. He delights me. He wants to give me a calling. He's like, no, he wants to, he gave us a calling. He gave us a calling. He gave us a command. And how many times have we just said, you know, that's not the command I'm actually good at. Sorry, are you supposed to be good at it? Are you supposed to be about going out good, making disciples of all nations by yourself in your own strength? He's like, I'm sorry. I'm going to be the ones destroying those people that you're about to go fight. I'm going to be the ones that's going to go with. I'm the one. It's me. You've forgotten. It's not about your strength and your numbers. It's about me. And that's why I don't want to miss. I'm like, Lord, if I'm not good about spending time with you, I need to ask you to help me to spend time with you. I need to ask for your help. Maybe it's like, man, Lord, your word seems so boring. God, help me not be bored by your word because I know it's me. It's my uncreative mind. It's my unrenewed mind that makes the word boring. It's me, my lack of fascination. Or maybe, Lord, I am not really good at spending time with people. Lord, help me to love people. It doesn't come naturally to love everyone around me. I like a few people. I like a few people, but I don't love everyone. Let me tell you, Lord, help me. I've known brothers in Christ that have actually, he's like, that's changed my whole life. When I asked the Lord to help me love one another, because he's like, I was an introvert. I hated people. They drove me nuts. He's like, but then God changed my heart to have love and just, and it's so amazing who he is. I love this guy, but I just love how God changes our heart. If we ask him, if we want it, what he wants, and he does the work. He didn't do anything for himself. And if we want to make disciples, we need to be praying, God, it's just like that prayer. Lord, send laborers into the, into the field. Lord, send laborers. I want to be sent. I'm willing to be sent. I'm not going to be comfortable being sent, but I'm going to go if you're calling me. Help me to grow in that. Help me. Lead me in how to do it. Lead me what I should say, how I should not say. How should I love? How should I encourage? Find those people. Put them in my path. God, you can do these things, but I need to first do this. Step out, step in faith, trust that he's going to do it. It's scary, but it's worth it. Man, I love all this encouragement. I, and I encourage you, go to Life Group. Talk about this more because this is, this is important. This is why we ask, talk with one another because we get to hear. And we get to be spurred on. We get excited because I'm not discouraged. I'm excited. I thank you for everyone for sharing. So I just want to pray that Lord, that he would just, if you want to stand with me, I'm just, I'm just going to jump into prayer. But, um, but yeah, just let's pray that God would help us to wrestle with us, wrestle in our heart with this, like, because we want him to search us and to know us, right? So join me in prayer. Lord, we want you. We want what you want. Father, we know that your plans are, are perfect, they are good, and that you will do them. Lord, that your word is perfect, that you are the alpha, the omega, just like we're talking. You're not surprised when we say things. You're not surprised. It's not like you're such an angry God and we have to just keep you back. You are a beautiful but a holy God. We forget the holiness of you. And that means there is judgment because of the holiness, because we are unholy. Father, thank you for... 
preventing from our just being wiped out, Father. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your sustaining love, for your son Jesus being sent on the cross to die, Lord. Thank you for that. That as we look at your blood, as we look at your body broken for us, that, Father, we can't say anything but, God, where you send me, I will go. Where you lead me, I will follow. I love you, Jesus. It provokes me to love the brothers and sisters around me. It provokes me to love you better. It provokes me to want people to understand the brokenness of your body, what you've done for us, and the promises that you have yet in store for us. So, Father, as we see that you say, go and make disciples, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love one another. Father, we want to obey your commands. Holy Spirit, hold us. Hold us to that fire. Hold us to that intensity, to that reminding us of what we used to be, and, but yet what we can't do without you. Father, we don't want to grow in fear. We don't want to grow in complacency. We don't want to grow in comfort. Father, make us uncomfortable. Make us uncomfortable to know you and to grow comfortable and to be uncomfortable. Being comfortably uncomfortable. That's okay, Lord, to be out. And and that doesn't mean we won't see the milk and honey and actually enjoy it. But Father, we need to be uncomfortable and step out Because the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. It is not by just sitting around being complacent. It's by going and seeking and sharing. So, Father, we don't want to learn a hard lesson and say, look at you face to face and say, God, I wish I would have. But, Father, we want to say, seek you and see your face and say, Lord, we have no regrets. We went, we shared. We loved. Father, we want you to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, we want what you want. We want your approval. Jesus, we want your approval. So search us. Know us, O God. Search us and know our hearts. See if there's any offensive way and lead me in the way of everlasting. Father, lead us in the way of everlasting, not just one of us, not just a few of us, but Father, I ask that you would spur on our church at Valley View and the churches in Inglewood and the churches in the United States. Father, and the churches in the world, unify our hearts to seek you, to be led in the way of everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen.